0: Uh, So, would you join me in prayer as we uh, go to God's Word? Hey, God, um, just thank you so much for today. I already thank you for just the way that you have spoken to us through your Word at the Bible study time and just how you've encouraged us. And Lord, I just pray as I share what stood out to me this week um, from your Word, God, that your Spirit, Holy Spirit, you would be here with us, that you would... um, help uh, make sense of the things that I feel led to share today, God, that you would all give us ears to hear um, what you have for us, and um, of course, we just surrender this time to you, and we know that you will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could hope or imagine as we seek you through your word today, so just be with us as, um, as we move forward in our worship gathering, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. So we're going to be talking a little bit about faith today. And when I was processing the scripture and kind of putting together the, the outline for this, what I thought about was the different sayings that we have uh, seen over the years or heard over the years that have to do with faith. And so I have a couple I'm going to share, and then you guys, through text, share it a little bit with me. And then I'm actually going to open it up to everybody in here to share if they have, like, a faith saying that, you know, has just come up a lot in in their life. So these are the ones that stood out to me. So uh, we used to have this actually in our house, and it's faith is what happens when you close your eyes and listen to your heart. And then I googled some other sayings about faith. So this is from Miracle on 31st Street. And it's, faith is believing in something when common sense tells you not to. Another one is, when you come to the edge, faith is knowing you will be taught to fly. I had never heard that one, but I thought it was a little interesting. And then from Martin Luther King Jr., it's, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. So those are some of the ones that stood out to me. And then when I asked you guys uh, through our text chain what sayings about faith stood out to you, um, you guys responded by saying faith can move mountains and trusting in God's plan for me and that it's good. So when the question was, when you hear the word faith, what do you think of? And those were the two answers there. So, uh, yeah, us here in the room, when you think of the word faith, can you think of any like sayings that people typically repeat over and over again when it comes to faith anything come to mind hope yeah faith is hope try again again, yeah oh is it (laughs) anything evan evan you got anything for us about faith So, what makes me think, like, we talk about faith a lot, and there are a lot of opinions about faith, but one of the main things that stood out to me through the scripture that I'm going to share with you today is this idea that it's actually our faith that produces righteousness. And then I was like, oh, you don't hear a lot of sayings about righteousness and and faith and how they work together. So, that's what we're going to look at today, and we're going to be reading um, Romans, I think it's... I actually don't have the chapter in my notes, but Romans 4, that's it, verses 13 to 17. So these are the scriptures that we're going to look at today. So for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise nullified because the law produces wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace, to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to the one who is of the law, but also to the one who is of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, the one who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. So the reason we're talking about faith is because in these five verses, the word faith comes up four times, and it is the Greek word pistis, which means a strong confidence in and reliance upon someone or something, often with the object of trust understood. So really, we could replace every time we see faith in here with the word trust. And so what this verse is reiterating to us is that Abraham trusted God and because he trusted God, it, it count, God counted him as righteous. And when we think of righteousness, we're thinking of like right living and obedience to God is what righteousness is all about. And in the New Testament, the Greek word pistis is used the most amount of times when relating and translating to the word trust, which is over 200 times. So then I thought, well, if that is... You know, the most used word for trust or faith in the New Testament, what about the Old Testament? And the most used word for faith in the Old Testament was the Hebrew word, hasid. But it was talking about God's faithful love. So speaking of God's trustworthiness. So I googled how many years was there from Adam until Jesus, Right? How long did the people of Israel you know, r- live on the earth and have this relationship with the Lord before Jesus came? And according to Houston Christian University, there was about 4,000 years from the time of Adam until the time of Jesus. And so all of this time in the Old Testament story, when we think of, the, of trust, we think of God's faithful love. And it's just showing us that all this time, God's been revealing himself— to the israels as the faithful one and that his love is faithful but when we look at the scripture that we just read it talks about how that under the old testament law we were actually helpless so um, we are going to look at romans 5 6 and this is uh the author paul the apostle paul and he says in romans 5 6 For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this idea of of faithful love, like trust in God, is culminated for us in Christ Jesus. The sacrifice that you know, God made for us. We just read it actually in our Bible study in John chapter three that, you know, it was always God's plan because He loved the world to send His Son Jesus for us. Because again, for those four thousand years, we see this cycle happening over and over in the Old Testament of people trying to live righteously but falling short, right? And then that's when we look at this Romans verse and it re- it reminds us that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us and that is the again the culmination of God's faithful love for his people we see that through Jesus and then we also see a significant shift between the Old Testament and New Testament when it comes to faith when it comes to trust in the Old Testament faith was always connected not always but often connected to God his faithful love him being the one that would make a way for his people and that we and what he was trying to do again like I said was developed trust within his people, that he was um, trustworthy. But there is this shift in the New Testament that the amount of times we talk about faith, it actually is now about us and how we respond to this faithful love that God has given us. And again, in that culmination of Jesus on the cross. So our faith and trust in Jesus really matters. That's what this old the New Testament is telling us. It's not... Um, a part, I mean, it is a part of our faith, but it is a very important part of our faith. And thankfully, it's experienced trust. It's not like we have to all of a sudden one day wake up and, and realize that Jesus is trustworthy, that God is trustworthy, but God is displaying his faithfulness and his trustworthiness to us as we follow him. So then we also see that following the law was not was not, um, efficient for righteousness. And the reason why is because the law was put there to produce wrath, right? We read that in verse 15. So then it begs the question, well, why did God use the Old Testament law? Like, what was the point of all of that? And, uh, we find the answer in our next verse. So Galatians, I have to start putting the chapter, Galatians 3 verses 19 to 26. Why then was the law given? It was added for the sake of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by means of a mediator. Now a mediator is not just for one person alone, but God is one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, then righteousness would certainly be on the basis of the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power, so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For through faith, you are sons of God in Christ Jesus. So it's interesting because the law was put in place to produce wrath, to show that there was a certain way that God expects his people to to relate to him, to relate to one another, to relate to this world. But the scripture tells us the law was our guardian until Jesus. So again, like for these 4,000 years, from Adam up all the way to Jesus, th- th- it says here they were really imprisoned. You know, the law imprisoned people. It, it made them feel restrained and restricted, and, and they couldn't, again, meet the expectations of the law because they would always fall short. But this just is a reiteration, again, how much it is important that we have Jesus, that God sent his son for us, And under Jesus, we are justified by faith, right? That's what it says here. That the law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But in the Old Testament law, they were justified by keeping the law. You know, that's why Jesus had so many of these, like, encounters with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they saw how Jesus was living, and he was living as one who was not imprisoned, right? He was living as he had freedom, he had freedom in himself. He had freedom in his relationship with the Father. He had freedom in how he related to the Holy Spirit. And the scribes and Pharisees were like, what is this dude about? Like, he's not keeping all of these laws. He's not worried about healing on the Sabbath. He's not worried about all the little minute details of the law. And Jesus was trying to show them, like, no, because I, I'm i here to fulfill the law. You know, he said that. And so... They were trying to maintain their relationship with, wor- with the Lord by their works, by what they were doing, the fact that they had memorized the Torah, the fact that they were going to temple all the time and offering sacrifices. But they were using these things to justify themselves before God. But again, this word tells us we are not justified by those things. We are justified and brought into relationship with God because of our faith. Galatians tells us that if we belong in Christ, we are heirs according to the promise. So what Abraham, you know, he was like the top dog <laughs> in the Jewish faith because he was the one that, um, you know, started the 12 tribes of Israel through his his children, his offspring. He had his son Joseph, who was a really big deal in Egypt and um, you know saved a lot of the Israel people, so like Abraham and his lineage meant like everything to the to the Old Testament um, people but what he 's saying is it 's no longer through Abraham really that we become god 's sons and daughters. It is now through Christ, Amen. right you know, and because we come to God as sons and daughters through Christ, we can also say we are sons and daughters of Abraham even though we may not have Jewish Jewish lineage. Because now, you know, because of what Christ has done, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. We are all one under Christ Jesus. And so as sons and daughters in Christ, we are heirs to all of these promises that God gave Abraham and his children, that he gave Noah and his children. And what's really interesting is that, you know, Abraham was counted as righteous by faith because there was no law yet. The law came through Moses, which happened, um, you know, a few hundred years after Abraham and his family came. So, you know, he couldn't have been justified by the law because there was no law. But Galatians also tells us that those under the law are cursed. And so what Jesus did is he redeemed us by becoming the curse, right? So, like, when we feel... Like, we don't measure up. When we feel like we cannot justify ourselves enough by what we do, we are, in essence, living under that curse again, right? Like, we are choosing a burden and a curse that is no longer ours to have because we're not under the law. We're under Christ. So, we have to remember how we relate to Christ, right? And we have to remember that. Even if we didn't do, although James would argue a little differently in the book of James, but even if we didn't do anything for Christ, we are still in Christ. We are still justified by being in Christ and trusting that he came, that he lived, that he died and was resurrected, and that he went back to the right hand of the Father. That belief is what justifies us in our relationship with God. Again, James would say, faith without works is dead, and our faith does motivate us. And, you know, I'll do the same benediction I do every week later, calling us to be ambassadors for Christ. But legalism and following a religious rule, it doesn't save us. And often that's what we default to, because honestly, like sometimes living outside of religion and living in Christ is harder than just checking a couple of boxes every week right like it's harder when god says i need you to do this and we're like whoa 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 whoa. (laughs) i don't want to do that i'd rather just go back to this religious checklist and check all of my boxes but we when we come out from under the law when we realize that we're justified by faith and not by our works it releases us from this curse that was put on God's people under the law so Abraham was righteous before God because of his faith and again like I said it couldn't be because of the law the law couldn't have produced righteousness for him because there was no law at that point point. and it's interesting because we see God's redemption story really early through Abraham we see that he always just wanted to justify us by faith right but God's people without the grace of God through Christ couldn't live that way, and so the law had to be imposed to show that they were sinning. So life without trust in Christ, it really develops this self-righteousness, because it allows us to lie to ourselves and think, okay, if, if I just live right, if I just do all the right things, then I will be saved, right? Like, and, and, Again, we believe in transformation. We believe that as God's spirit is working in our life that we will be changed. We will be different. But that's not, again, the thing that saves us. We, righteousness comes because we trust that Jesus came to save us, that we were sinners, and that God had to come and save us from that. And it, it, it's often self-righteousness is very equal to pride, The more pride we have in our life, the more that we justify our righteousness through who we are and what we do. But if we are humble and we come before the Lord admitting that, you know, we still have maybe sin in our life or there's this broken part of us that still needs healing. That is when we are saying to him, I trust you. I trust you to take away this sin. I trust you to transform me and take away the desire of this sin. I trust you to be what I need when I'm weak. And in that, we are living rightly with God. We are living righteously with him. And if God's law cannot make us righteous, then no man-made law will do so either, right? So when Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days, the people were freaking out. They thought maybe he died. Like, is he coming back? What's happening? And so they make up Uh, their own law they make these idols out of their gold earrings you know they they're trying to find a system that will keep them justified and and righteous before the Lord and then Moses comes down and he gets so angry he breaks the the Ten Commandments like he he is so frustrated with these people that they already turn to these other gods these other ways to justify themselves And I think we see this in our culture. We see people trying to produce some kind of system, really some kind of religion, to follow in order to feel good about themselves. And the thing is that is going to fall short because it is false religion. It isn't the true religion that comes through being in relationship with Christ. And we are called to righteous living. It is mentioned the word behind righteousness in the Old Testament is uh, De Kaiosina, di-kayo- and it's mentioned 84 times, to be righteous, right? Like we're given this command over and over and over. So we are meant to live righteously, but like Abraham, we are righteous beca- before God because we trust Christ, because we have found ourselves in him. We found him sufficient to take away our sin. We have trusted him the ways that he wants us to live our lives, right? And do we mess up sometimes? Sure. Do we have to come to God in confession? Yes. But in those moments of confession, in the time of saying, God, again, I'm weak. I need you. I'm trusting you. We are perfect. The scripture tells us, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And when we are in these moments of deep confession and and trusting God to live righteously, we are perfect before God. And again, it's not because we have sinless perfection. You know, it's not because we do everything right every day in the right way, the right order. It's because we have found ourselves in Christ. And that is where perfection comes from in God. So I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm actually, actually I can't get on my phone. So I'm going to go to the computer in the chat. And I want us to end today the sermon by sharing at our tables how this is good news for you today. So I'm going to give us like five minutes and then I'll come up and close in prayer and then we'll transition to music. But I want us to talk about why this truth, that faith produces righteousness, is good news for you today. Actually, Evan's at the computer, so I'm going to ask him to go to the chat and see if anybody says anything, and I'm going to sit at a table. Cool? Cool. Okay, I'm just going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to transition to uh, some music. (laughs) Hey, God, I just I love the conversation that uh, is happening in the room, and I love how your truth is um, being applied and discussed and hopefully put into action, however you're speaking. Um, God, I thank you just for the encouragement of your word today. And so um, as we transition... um, to worshiping you through music. Um, I pray that as we do worship you, it would be a a pleasant offering, a show of our sacrifice um, and love that we have for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: in the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the I kneel, it shall not fade, by his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free, for the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. have passed away. Your love estate, the same. Your constant grace means the cornerstone. Things that we thought were sun to shine on darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we Their hope, the orphans now have A home, all that was lost Has found its place in you You lift our weary head You make us strong instead and made us beautiful. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus we
0: that. All right. You all ready for our benediction? Yeah. You want to read it with me? Yeah. All right. So this is our sending today. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, We do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to God through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So this is it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. There's how he defeated that curse we talked about earlier, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So amen and amen.